from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's the winner. That's the winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals. Smith corks one in the right down the line. It may go. Welcome to That's a Winner Podcast. I am Ryan Jenkins. I am here alone right now after the Thanksgiving holiday and also with my co-host Josh Brown on vacation. So I thought I would sit here and talk a little bit. Um, We'll see if you like it or not. Uh, A little pontificating on uh, the Cardinals. So let's break it down straight up. What has the Cardinals done so far um, with this looming CBA? We have Steven Matz. He was brought on by the Cardinals. Now, uh, Steven Matz, I think personally was exactly what the Cardinals were really looking for. Um, you know, you, you could have gone for, I think, anywhere from a one to three starter, and you would have been in a better shape than you were last year. Uh, because if you go anywhere from, let's say, four and five, you already have those guys. You have Woodford and you have Oviedo and other guys that can, you know, Libertor that could come up, and you can test those guys out, Alex, Reyes, and uh, Hicks even. They can even fight for those fourth and fifth position, depending on how everything works out. You already have... Michaelis and Hudson. So what you really needed was a guy to fill that really that three spot because you have Wayno and Flaherty that should be your one and two, whichever one's pitching better at the time. And where to make sense was was that three spot. And I think um, Stephen Matz fits that bill, a lefty that can actually you know pitch strikes, which is important, and be able to use the defense behind him. There were other guys that made sense as well. Um, I think Gray made sense, and uh, a couple different guys. But if you think, look at the money wise, we got he got a four year, forty four million dollar contract. Signing bonus was two million, and in twenty twenty two he'll make eight. So on the books for the payroll for twenty twenty two, he will show as ten million dollars. And then uh, twenty three ten, twenty four twelve, twenty five twelve, and there's a lot of different um, ways he can make more money by pitching over one hundred thirty innings, 140, 150, 160, 170, and and be able to make two hundred k each time he hits those marks, and then different. Ways 50k for an all star, 50,000 Cy Young, and 25k if he's second to fifth in, in the Cy Young voting, and 25k for LCS MVP, and 50k for World Series MVP. So he can make more money every step that he goes. But the main thing is how many innings that he can pitch, and that's what the Cardinals are looking for, and a guy that throws strikes. Um, you know, my biggest thing on it is is the eight million dollar 2022 with a two million dollar signing bonus, 10 million on the books, and so that puts us supposedly. At around 150 or so payroll right now, so what does that mean for the Cardinals? I, I think that means there's a lot more space to go if they want to, because according to reports that John John Mozeliak has said that they're willing to spend about 180 million dollars this season. They're willing to raise what they spent last year by about 20 million dollars. So that means there should be around 30 ish million dollars available. And that includes um, all the arbitration money and all those things that we expect to come from the guys that they kept, like um, um, that they tendered, you know, like um, 
uh, O'Neill and Bader and all those guys. Only guy that was lost in that was Rondon. And, you know, it's he was not going to see a lot of time probably this year. And he's an older, older, you know, younger guy, if that makes sense. He's an older guy that doesn't have a lot of time to be able to spend um, and can't go back down anymore. So it makes a lot more sense for him to to go than anyone else. The roster currently is at 36 players. So Steven Matt's in the middle of the, that rotation. It solidifies it more, gives more depth, and is exactly what the Cardinals were looking for. Now, what does that mean going forward? Um, for more moves, we'll get to that in a second, and I'll and I'll ask some questions about you know are the Cardinals serious about winning in 2022? But let's talk a little bit more. Um, switch it up and go to the CBA. CBA is finalizing ending now um, this evening as we talk, and they are pretty much met for seven minutes. Is the report today? They met for seven minutes today. That's just unbelievable. Met for seven minutes. There's no way that there's they're agreeing on anything They're They don't think there was even a real attempt today um, at the last chances of trying to, to block it. I think everyone wants it to be a work stoppage to use more leverage. What things should come out of it is also a big deal as well. The DH is what is assumed. I think the players association wants that. Um, I think that is assumed. I read today as well that the players association wants $240 million as this luxury tax. That's a little high, I think, in my opinion. Um, but I think the luxury tax should probably be more in the $200 million. Um, The Cardinals will be players up to $180 million, So how does that affect us? Not really uh, too much because the teams that are going to hit the payroll, that luxury tax, the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, sometimes the Cubs, um, those teams are angels. Those teams are going to spend it no matter what, whether it's $200 million or $240 million. You're really just helping them at that point. The players want it, obviously, so they can keep on signing bigger and bigger contracts. And so there's not a worry to hit that luxury tax. So that's a big issue there. The DH, I don't think, is a huge issue. Everyone expects it coming in. Um, One thing I don't like is from the players uh, that I heard, uh, that I read, was they want two divisions in each each, uh, American League and National League. Two divisions. Get rid of one of the divisions and put them all together. One of my favorite things about baseball is that there are actually three divisions and winning in the regular season is important. And you go and you win in your division against your teams that you go against every single year and you out and you outplay them and you play them enough and you beat them and you win your division and you're into the playoffs. Whenever you're condensing it to two divisions, uh, it reminds me a lot of the the NBA. The NBA has two sides of their conferences and then they have the top, you know, X amount of teams. I think it's eight or ten um, teams. I think it was eight. I don't know if with COVID. I know that it expanded a little bit, so I don't know where it is this year. But you, you, it makes the regular season irrelevant. And now they play ninety games, I think, in NBA, and they've already made the regular season irrelevant. So what happens with the MLB when you're talking about playing one hundred and sixty-two games? and you then allow 14 teams, as discussed, uh, that people have talked about, into the playoffs, and you only have two divisions in each in each side. It waters down what is important to baseball. It waters down those, those rivalries in between, and it means nothing in the regular season, and everyone just tries to get to the postseason. That also brings me back to the point I don't like about having more teams in, is teams are going to be just fine at making the playoffs. They're going to be just fine at 80-ish wins, 85 wins. That's what their goal will be. Instead of 90, instead of 
win seasons, eh, we'll be fine at 80 to 85 and we'll make the playoffs. That's not what I want to see for baseball. Why, why do we want that for baseball when we already have a pretty good, you know, postseason system? Though the one game I'm not a huge fan of because baseball is more than any other sport out there that any team can beat anyone on any given day. Literally, the worst team in baseball can beat the best team in baseball on one game. It obviously happens every single day. Whenever you're talking about a three-game series of a regular season setup, it's hard to sweep teams, and you can just win one. So I don't like that part of, of it as well in the postseason. Um, those are the big things that I've, I've read so far that they are just so far apart on. The players want them to spend more money, and the owners want to make more money, and they want to add more games. And those are the big, big issues. But this is what it has come to my, you know, reading all of this, is the owners gave all this BS about how they are lacking money last year because of COVID. And look at the dollar figures that are being signed this year in this offseason. Look at all the money being thrown around. You don't see owners out there trying to sell because it's such a poor business decision. No, you see guys signing Max Scherzer for $43 million a year. You see the Tigers, who are not competitive yet, maybe next year, signing Javi Baez to an overpriced deal. You see the Rangers, who are not competitive, signing three dudes over $600 million so far they've allocated this offseason. That's the type of things, and these owners are screaming they're broke. They were talking about how there's not enough money. Most of the time, I think fans are going to side with the players. And I think this year is not going to be any different. You're talking about any lockout in any any um, sport. They're all usually going to side with the fans. There's some things. Oh, sorry. They're going to side with the, the players. This year is not going to be much different. There are some things I don't like that what the players are saying. And there are most things that I do like. So for them to keep on screaming broke, and then now they're, you know, doling out all this cash is just, it's just BS. We, and we all have known that for a while, but we kind of believed it during COVID because there wasn't fans in the seats. There wasn't all those things. People weren't showing up to the games this year as much, but they're still putting out tons of money. If there's not any money to be made, people would be selling. Cohen in the Mets, he wouldn't have bought the Mets if he thought it was a bad business decision. Why? Because he's is worth billions of dollars. He's going to do something to make him more billions of dollars. He does that because he wants to win in baseball and he wants to make money. Those are the reasons why he's in the game. If he wasn't, if it wasn't a good business decision, he wouldn't do it. And that's what is a bunch of BS from the owner side. They're making more money than they ever have before, and they're at, they're screaming they're broke, and it's just not true. Now the players are making more money than ever as well. So why would they even think about a lockout? It doesn't make a lot of sense. The players are getting the biggest contracts that's ever been given out. The owners are making more money, even though they're screaming they're broke. Why would we even have a lockout? It's because of little bitty things that they they want or don't want from either side. And I'm pretty confident there's going to be a lockout until spring training, if not worse. But I think both sides need to come together and figure it out because it's just, it's just terrible. All right, let's move on. Speaking of all the guys with money, the owners, Bill DeWitt, I read, was like top five in MLB in, in making money and his, his, what he's worth. You know, we obviously know Cohen is number one, worth like 10 plus billion dollars. Bill DeWitt Jr. is worth billions of dollars as well. 
do the Cardinals actually want to win? That's the question I'm stuck with um, this season especially. 2022, the end of Yadier Molina's historic career. 2022, the end of Wainwright's historic career. Um, that is the biggest thing is we, us fans are told over and over and over that this is the year that they're going to compete and be able to send them off on top, right? That's what we just keep on talking about. Do Does Bill DeWitt Jr. really want to win? Does Mo really want to win? Where are they right now? What are they doing? Steven Matz, yes, is a fine deal. I think it makes sense for the Cardinals. But we have a historically bad shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals. Paul DeYoung should not start another game for the St. Louis Cardinals. And you have one of the best, biggest possibilities of fixing that this offseason with all the options that are behind you in a shortstop all across. Whether there's five guys that are available, five well-known, worthy dudes that can come in and play shortstop better than Paul DeYoung and Amundo Sosa. And, you know, people talk about, you know, needs and wants, and there's there's a difference of needs and wants, right? But whenever your worst position is your shortstop, which on a lot of teams is usually their best position, their best fielder, their best hitter, their captain in a lot of situations and a lot of teams, and you're telling me that we can't put anyone better on the field than Paul DeYoung. If you can go and you can sign Carlos Correa, who's still available right now and will be, it looks like, through the end of the CBA negotiations, why aren't you doing it? We talked about uh, on the top that there's probably about $30 million left over. Why aren't you signing a shortstop? Okay, Carlos Correa is a little too expensive, but it's not my money. And that's one of my biggest gripes about uh, people and it's talking about too expensive and not too expensive goes back to them being billionaires. If Bill DeWitt Jr. wanted to make wanted to win, he would sign Carlos Correa. If that was his goal, if that was his his one thing that he cared about was winning, he would sign Carlos Correa. He would have signed Seeger. That's what he would have done. But they scream poor. They scream they don't have the money. The Cardinals, even though last year was abysmal in attendance, was still top five in attendance. The Cardinals are making money hand over fist, even though a lot of fans said, I'm not showing up this year. Even though a lot of fans said, I'm not watching this year. Even though a lot of fans said, I can't watch this year because of this stupid TV deal. They're still making tons of money. Ballpark Village, at the stadium, all over the place. They're still making tons of money. And if they really wanted to win, they would sign someone that would help them win. So who who would that be? There are now two options, really. That would show you that the Cardinals really are trying to win. There are two. That would be Carlos Correa and Trevor Story. Those are the two that make sense. Those are the two that you have to upgrade your team with. Again, it's not my money. So if you want to talk about can't afford it, they can afford it. Want to talk about fits. Well, Carlos Correa is a reigning gold glover. That would kind of fit in with the rest of the Cardinals defense. Five already. We could add another one in. We already have Yachty, who's historically already at one. So that'd be six, seven. And then we have gold glovers as pitchers as well. 
And Adam Wainwright, I do believe, is one one at least. So you could have and Carl and Carlson, I think, will at some point. His defense was above average, I believe, last year. So he would fit in. Carlos Correa would fit in just fine. He's a bat. He doesn't stay as healthy as I would like, but he can hit. Right? So he makes sense. Money-wise, he doesn't make sense according to who? According to the owner who doesn't want to spend the money. The Cardinals can afford it. Bill DeWitt Jr. can afford it. Bill DeWitt III, he can afford it. They can afford to bring in Carlos Correa if they wanted to. But then Trevor Story, what is this, What is he going to cost? What is he going to cost? He's going to cost less than Correa. He's going to cost less than Seager. He's probably going to cost less than Baez. Is he an upgrade from Paul DeYoung and Edmund Nososa? Absolutely. So why not bring him in? Again, only the only thing that you can say no about is the cost. What will it hurt the Cardinals from doing in the future? What will it hurt the ability to sign, re-sign Jack Flaherty? What will it hurt? None of that matters, really. They can afford it if they want to afford it. If this is the season they want to go all in and attempt to win a World Series to send Wayno and Yachty out on top, why aren't they making the moves? I think the Cardinals are very similar to the Indiana Pacers, the Indianapolis Colts, teams that are always in it, they're always making the playoffs, but they're just not quite getting over the hump. That's where the Cardinals have been for the last 10 years. That's what they've been doing post-2011. All Moe's job and Bill DeWitch Jr. was being relevant. Make the playoffs, make a little run here and there, but as long as we do that, People will be in the seats. People will watch. People will spend money. That's all that matters. Same with like the Pacers. They haven't had a pick outside inside the top 10 in the lottery since the 80s because they always make the playoffs. The Colts are always talking about being in it. They're always right there. But they can't win a big game. They did, obviously, with Peyton Manning, but they were they underperformed even those years. Like, they should have won more. Kind of like the Cardinals. In 04 was the best team that the Cardinals had, and it's not the year they won the World Series. The 06 terrible team, like the team that won 83 games, that's the team that won the World Series. So they underperformed. But same with Jim Irsay in Indianapolis. 70,000 people are going to fill the stands every single game. They know the fans are going to spend the money. So why not just keep on raking in the money and be competitive? Because that's all the fans care about is giving them a little taste. If the Cardinals didn't go on a 17-game win streak, if the Cardinals didn't make the playoffs, would we be still having the same conversations we are today? I think there would have been a lot more... a lot more looking to do more right now because of how far behind we were. The NL Central is garbage. We all, we know that. The NL Central is, everyone has gotten worse. The Cardinals, yeah, I think have gotten better. Steven Matz improves them. Um, a new manager, I think, in game manager, I think that should improve them. The Reds have gotten worse. The Cubs have gotten worse. The Brewers have gotten worse. The Pirates have gotten worse. Everyone's going down, and the Cardinals have gone eh, just a little bit better. But the Cardinals should not be in this to get a little bit better. 
They should not be getting in this in playing in 2022 to just be a little bit better than the Cubs or a little bit better than the Brewers. You want to win the division by a long shot and then go and compete for a World Series. That's what Cardinals Nation expects every single year is to compete for a World Series, not to compete for a wild card spot and to make a run. Yes, we expect a run, but we expect to be competing for the World Series every year. Two of the worst things that could have happened for the Cardinals was making the NLCS in 2019 and making the playoffs last year. If those two things don't happen, the Cardinals are in a much different situation. They're spending a lot money, more money differently to make a change now. I think the Cardinals are very close. Super, super close. And the only thing away, personally, my opinion, is some relief pitching, a big bat playing shortstop, and a left-handed bench bat. And that could be Lars Newtbar, to be honest. You know, the way he played in the AFL, and that could be the guy. Juan Yepes, a DH, that could be the guy as well. Or it could be a Kyle Schwarber DH. That could be the move as well. But what I get tired of is hearing we can't afford it. The St. Louis Cardinals can afford pretty much anything they want. They can afford to spend just like the Dodgers. They can afford to spend just like the Yankees, the Cubs, the Angels. They can afford to do it because they are the St. Louis Cardinals. They have 11 World Series, the most in all of the NL. That's just not the way they do it. But what do we expect of them? We expect them to compete. How are they going to compete? I think they got to spend money. What's more likely? Luis Garcia signed with the Padres for two years and $7 million. People are upset about that and upset that the the Cardinals didn't re-sign him. I am less bullish on relief pitching. I feel relief pitching is not that important to do, to spend a lot of money on. Mo has missed on those. And, but you know what he hasn't missed on is acquiring those, those players to acquire the right guys at the right time to fix the bullpen as needed. I feel that bullpen arms are a dime a dozen. What exactly he did this year was find the right guys and improve the bullpen. What happened in 2011? Got a handful of guys and made that roster really, really good. I don't see the need to spend gobs of money on relievers when you can do it from unknown guys all the time. Relievers, we don't know who they are. Before they come to the St. Louis Cardinals, most of the time you don't even know who they are. They're just someone that you hope is good. They come out of the bullpen and you like them or you hate them, depending on what they do. No one knew Luis Garcia before the season before we traded for him. No one knew TJ McFarland before we traded for him. Mo and the Brass saw something they liked. They got him, and they pitched well, very, very well. Will, will TJ McFarland be that good this year? Probably not as good as he was. Luis Garcia couldn't even make the Yankees big league club, and we, we got him from the AAA team as their closer. So will he be as good for $3.5 million a year? Probably not, but maybe. Now, you also say maybe it's worth the $3.5 million. Yeah, it probably is. It probably is worth it to take the flyer again. I mean, you know him. You liked him. $3.5 million a year for two years. 
sure, maybe should have. But I think you can go and get help elsewhere. I think there's a lot more options out there that you can try. If that means you as an organization will try and spend more money somewhere else. Let's talk more realistic as well. Marcus Stroman, adding another spot in the rotation. People say it doesn't make sense to add another one. You already signed Steven Matz. Marcus Stroman still makes sense for the Cardinals, but I don't think so for $20-plus million a year. I don't think he'll get $20-plus million a year and be a St. Louis Cardinal. I think the Cardinals are in on him $15 to $18 million a year. If he falls in a $15 to $18 million, I think the Cardinals still could sign him. But you might ask, why would we sign him when we already have a, have pitching? We already have five, six, seven guys that can pitch. Marcus Stroman is better than the four, five, three, four, five. He's a one or two. He's probably a two. He's probably a number two starter. So would you upgrade there? Yes. Should you? Yes. Because he's available and you can afford him and you can do it. So yeah. But then what happens to the other guys? Move Michaelis to the bullpen. Create more depth. Move Hudson to the bullpen. Create more depth. That's what the Cardinals lacked in the pitching last year was depth. And that's what hurt us in June. So sure, have him. Bring him in. He has ground ball rates that are outrageous. He would play great with the guys that are already behind him. It makes sense. But one thing that will make me utterly just lose my mind is if the Cubs come in and sign Marcus Stroman. There's no reason for them to even be in play except to just take him from us. Because the Cubs are not going to be even... They'll probably lose 100 games next year. Why? Why would Marcus Stroman want to sign there? Why? Why would the Cardinals let him sign there to go against him how many times a year? He makes a lot more sense in St. Louis, and he better not sign in the division. The Cardinals should sign him if those are the options. But I do believe it'll be 15 to 18 versus should, needs, and wants, right? Do the St. Louis Cardinals need Marcus Stroman? No. Do the St. Louis Cardinals want him? I think they still do. I think they're still in on him a a little bit. I think that they have offers out there, and they're hoping that he lands in that $15 to $18 million range, and the Cardinals are there to pick up the pieces. Would the Cardinals sign Trevor Story at 20-plus? I don't think so, because they can't afford it, according to them. That's not in their budget of what they want to spend. I think if the if the same, if if he falls to the fifteen to eighteen million dollar range for four five years, I think the Cardinals should, and I think the Cardinals would. But does it make sense? It goes back to my Carlos Correa part. Does it make sense? He's an upgrade. Yes. Can he hit better? Yes. Can he field better? Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take it. I mean. Um, I think DeYoung is a, a plus fielder. Sosa is a plus fielder when he's not throwing balls at umpires' heads. But Story's an upgrade all around. Is he willing to take a lesser deal to be with Nolan? Maybe. It makes sense. I think the Cardinals are still in, in on him, even after the CBA. They may wait until the very last minute and see what happens, and they could sign him. The front office and Mo tell us a lot that they don't, they believe in someone or they 
don't see the need to make a move, but they're not serious. We saw that with Nolan Arenado. They liked the team they had in front of them. They thought they were a competitive team, and they liked the, the lineup. And we all knew that lineup was garbage. But within 24 hours of Mo saying that, they had a deal in place for Nolan Arenado. So kind of like whenever there's injuries in St. Louis Cardinals, you don't hear a lot about them. They don't tell you. They don't, they don't give a lot out. The same is said for on the free agent market, the trade market. You're not going to get a lot of info from the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm in with this. Lots of Twitter folks are out there telling you about their sources. When they have 100 followers, 1,500 followers, and they're telling you about all their inside sources that are saying the Cardinals are doing this or the Cardinals are doing that. The St. Louis Cardinals is the one of the most tight-lipped organizations in all sports. They are not going to let some dude that has knows no one somehow get some information and put it on Twitter. That's not where the leak is going to come from. Your knowledge is going to come from who you're expecting it to come from. Katie Wu. Um, Rick Hummel. You know, guys like that. Derek Gould. Those are the people that are going to break it. Oh, yeah. And the national guys first, probably. Those are the ones who are really going to break it, right? Somehow, the national guys gets the info first. Why? Because of agents, because of relationships like that. You're just like Nolan Arenado deal. Something could pop up that no one was prepared for. Talk, 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 talk. But it could pop up because that's what they did. That's what they were working on for months and months. I think Mo is doing a lot more working than he is willing to tell fans. I think he's doing a lot more feeling around than he's willing to let people know. This CBA lockout could last a long time. We may not have a lot to talk about. We're going to bring you the best things that we can through this podcast. Sorry we missed you for a couple weeks, week and a half, because of Thanksgiving and Josh being on vacation. Next week, we will be back at it. We'll have, uh, I think, a guest with us, and we will talk more about the CBA, what to expect from it, and what more to get out of it. Thanks for listening to That's a Winner Podcast. I am Ryan Jenkins. Please follow us on, on Twitter at That's a Winner Pod. Shooter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a